Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Turn there with me and then keep your Bibles open as we'll look at another passage for this message. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Now all glory to God who is able. Aren't you thankful that he is able? Who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. We see in this verse the fact that builds this message, last Sunday's messages, and even tonight. That our God is a dream-building God. Our God is a dream-giver. That's why we see him find Moses on the backside of a desert and move him into a place of being a deliverer because God had a dream for Moses. That is why you find David being taken from taking care of the sheep to being the leader of a nation because God had a dream for his life. God placed Esther in the palace because God had a dream for her. God has a dream for you. God knows where you are. God knows how to place you where you need to be equip you with the power that you will need to realize his vision, his destiny for your life. Erwin McManus has written a book called Wide Awake, and I recommend it. He says of dreams that dreams are a portrait of our longings or a product of our longings, a portrait of our potential. And a promise of our future. That's the power of dreams. As we study the way God has made our minds. We see the capacity to imagine. And to envision. Incredible things. There are really if you study science. No limitations on your mind's ability to dream. So there's really no limits to the imagination. But there are often limits on our thinking. And that is the reason for today's message. There has to be a word of encouragement for the day that our dream grows dim. Those times where Satan wants to downsize the dream. Where our dream begins to shrink to the size of our circumstance. We need a word of encouragement because at times we will feel like Moses who knows God has given a dream... But he's facing the Red Sea with the complaining nation behind him. Like Abraham, who is going to the top of Mount Moriah, a knife in one hand, his son's hand in his other, and they're going to a place of sacrifice, and it appears that he would have to sacrifice his son through whom the dream would be realized. The dream can grow dim like it did for Paul when he was shipwrecked, snake-bitten. The dream in your life can grow dim as it did for David when he was running from Saul. David had been anointed king, and yet he's hiding out in caves. They're on mountainsides drinking the brackish water from a mountain stream, having to wonder, why is this happening? This is not the way I expected the dream 
to unfold. At times we have to get into that pit with Joseph and into the prison and figure out how do you hold on to the dream when Satan is trying to eclipse your dream. No dream has ever been realized without adversity. No one has ever done anything of significance without doing it uphill against the adversity and resistance of the enemy. To try and downsize, reduce, restrict, and eclipse the dream. I want to show you today that there is power in God to remind you it's just an eclipse. It will soon pass. Your dream will be reality. I pray again that the Holy Spirit would stir your heart with this because it, it's an important word. There's, there's no way to go forward unless we understand the power of God to help us when it seems like our dream is dying. I can think of no better way to frame this than through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love this time of year. I would love to preach on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ every week. It is, it is the highlight of the gospel. It's the center of the gospel. It is our message, and it applies to all of life. Today, I want you to see this as a word to us, not only about the development of the dream, but how to hold on to the dream. And even at times when it seems like the, the dream is dying or dead and been put in the grave, just hold on because Sunday is coming. And we have a gospel that's built on the power of resurrection. Yes, Wouldn't it be great to see somebody's dream resurrected here today? Yes. And to see them bolt out of this place no longer in despair or depression, but in the excitement and the momentum that the best days are yet to come. That my best days are not behind me, but my best days are in front of me because of the infinite power of God that is at work in and through my life. Now turn with me to Matthew 27, verse 11. Matthew chapter 27, look at verse number 11. Now Jesus, it says, was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus replied, you have said it. On the screen, I have the verse for you in the New International Version. Let's read it again. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Notice Jesus' reply. Yes. Jesus is very clear on who he is. He is not confused about his identity. The governor says, Are you the king? Jesus says, Yes. Now, Remember the context. You have the governor looking at Jesus who has no crown, no robe, no scepter, no throne, and yet he's saying, I am a king. When the dream gets dim, you have to maintain your identity. Your identity is not determined by your circumstance. That's what that verse shows us. That verse teaches us that Jesus knew who he was and who he was was not tied to the circumstance around him. He had no throne and he had no scepter, but he knew he was the king. 
So it says that your life and your dream is not determined by the situation. It's an important word right now. Because your bank account can look differently than it did a, a year ago. Uh, your, your marriage may be challenged. You know, when people get married, I'm not sure that everyone that gets married assumes that there will be some challenges. You know, she thinks he's Prince Charming. And then she realizes that Prince Charming is only a cartoon character. You know, we run into those things where it's like, you know, there, there are challenges and we have to maintain our identity. This is very important because if I don't maintain my identity, I will let the circumstance inform my perspective of who I am. I'll become filled with inferior and insecurity. I will not believe that I can do what God has said I can do. I'll never be able to do what God says I can do if I'm not confident in who God says I am. Sometimes we get struggling on why we can't achieve. We may not be able to achieve things because we've not settled who we are. Because what I'm going to accomplish is going to come out of the essence of who I am. Small dreams, small achievement. Inferior and insecure about who I am, I'm not going to apprehend the moment of destiny that will unfold before my life. You've got to maintain your identity. You are not the sum total of your bank account. You are not the, the test score. You are not what somebody says about you. You are not defined by the moment, the situation, or the circumstance. You are, in fact, who God says you are. Do you know who God says you are? Now, let's get strategy here today. Let's make it helpful in everyday life. I believe the strategy in maintaining our identity is to make sure we have a constant intake of the Word of God. If the Word of God is coming into my soul, that informs my perspective of who I am. If I'm not having a devotional relationship with God through His Word, then I'm just, I'm an open game for, it's open season for the devil on my mind and my heart to fill me with insecurity and inferiority, to confuse who I am. So, so take in the word of God. Build an affirmation program for your mind by the word of God. Quit waking up every day letting the devil define you. Let the Lord define you. You, you got to make this real. It's not enough to say that's a good thought. Maintain your identity. You know, when my dream is dim, I need to maintain who I am. You resource that by a strategy of being in the word of God every single day. So when the lie comes in, I can offset the lie with the truth. It's the truth that sets me free. Satan would like you to believe that your perception is reality. Well, that's worldly. Perception is not reality. Truth is reality. And if I will be filled with the truth, it will set me free to who God has made me to be. Let's... let's, Drill down a little deeper. Who, who am I? As a child of God, I'm washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm an offspring of grace. I have a father 
who is God, who when he speaks, it sounds like thunder. I I have an elder brother who is Jesus Christ. I have the most incredible helper and counselor, the Holy Spirit. I have one amazing family called the church, the body of Christ. I'm empowered with supernatural power by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I have been raised to new life by the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I'm raised to newness of life. I'm guided by the word of life. I am held by the purpose that God has given me in this life. You see, you build an affirmation program that I am who the word says I am. I am who God says I am. I think it's time for you to let the one who loves you to assess you. Why would we let the one who hates us assess us and tell us who we're not and who we will never be? Why don't we let the one who lived and died and rose again so that we could be saved, assess who we are and what we're going to do. I'm going to let the one who turned water into wine and and, and was raised from the dead define who I am and what I can do in my one and only life. Come on and rise up and maintain your identity. Do you know who you are? Hold on to it. Fight for the identity that you have in God. Jesus said, yes, yes, yes. Yes. Pilate said, are you the king? He said, yes. Yes. Well, it doesn't look like you're a king. I see no followers. I see no throne. I I see no army. I see no money. I see no resources. Let's run this by again. Are you the king? Jesus said, yes. See, when the dream grows dim, and all of our dreams are going to track through a season of adversity where we will have to maintain our identity. Why is that? What's the next part of what we see? If you continue reading in Matthew 27, they are going to take Jesus. They're going to try him. Pilate's wife is going to say, Pilate, I've had this dream. I think you're messing up. To which Pilate will say, you know, you're always having dreams. You've got to leave me alone. I've got a job. I have all this pressure. Okay, it's my custom to let someone go. I'll present that to the people. Maybe they'll say, we'll let Jesus go. But no, they choose Barabbas. He says, okay, what am I going to do with Jesus? They say, crucify him. And in order to be crucified, you go through Pilate's judgment hall where the Roman guard will be uh, turned loose on you, these sadistic men that will beat you within an inch of your life and then put a cross on you and head you to the place of the skull, the place where evil men died, Calvary, Golgotha. And so that's what you see unfolding in Matthew 27. And here's my next thought. You, You have to maintain your identity and you have to endure some pain. There's no dream of significance that can be realized without enduring some pain. And I I have never seen somebody frame up this verse and put it on their refrigerator. In this world, you will have trouble. Or what James wrote, count it all joy when you're being tempted and tested. And who, who wants to... Commit that to memory. But maybe it's one of the most important things we could remember. Because no dream is realized without a fight. And without enduring the pain. I want to talk about this. Sometimes we have to go through it in order to get to it. 
I'm after the dream, but I'm going to have to go through some things in order to get to the reality of God's mission and dream. Jesus said that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. When a a woman gives birth to a baby, there is a lot of pain. And she goes through it in order to get to it. And that is the blessing of having a baby. I'm telling you, I remember when we had Ryan. And you know, Kelly and I are thinking a lot about Ryan. He's just turned 18. We're in that season saying, oh, God, help us. This is hard. <laughs> We've relived those moments of being at that hospital. Jefferson Regional Medical Center went in on a Wednesday. They induced labor and things got really intense about five o'clock that afternoon and in walked the man who was going to do the epidural. You know, those people are from God. See, I I had already really made a huge mistake. That graph thing that was watching those contractions, it started shooting up off the page and I said, Kelly, does that hurt? In that moment of intense pain, she was able to gather herself and she said, take your bottom lip and pull it up over your head (laughs) and then ask me that question. So uh, it wasn't long after that and this guy's pushing this big cart in and he says, you know, I'm the anesthesiologist. I have come to do the epidural. And about that time, the pager on his side starts going off. He looks at me, he looks at Kelly, he said, I am so sorry, but there's an emergency. I'm the only one in the hospital the only anesthesiologist right now, I'm, but I'll be right back. <laughs> well, two hours later, I figured it's time to apply the scripture. I started heading out of the room. Kelly said, where are you going? I said, the Bible says go. <laughs> where are you going? I says, I'm going into all the world and I shall return with somebody who knows how to do an epidural. <laughs> she says, where, why, why are you doing that? I said, because I need an epidural. I'm going to go. <laughs> So we, we kind of worked through that, and, and at 10, about 10.30 that night, wow, Ryan was born. She went through it, endured the pain, but then the joy. You see, sometimes, I think it's T.D. Jakes that I heard say this, uh, can you stand to be blessed? Work with the terminology of that. Can you stand there long enough? When, when, it, when the going gets tough, can you remain standing through it so that you can get to it? Because Jesus was thinking Sunday, he was able to get through Friday. Here's the strategy. If the strategy in maintaining identity is being informed constantly by the word of God, then the strategy in enduring pain to get to the dream is... Attaching your mind to the future hope so that we never forget the present power of future hope. Present power of future hope. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Because of that which was set before him. When Jesus was suffering on Friday, he was thinking Sunday. The enemy's strategy is when we're in pain is to capture us into snapshot thinking. Where that's all we see, that's all we sense And we forget all that has happened and all that we know will happen. 
and we get caught totally in that moment and our language becomes, I'm not going to make it. And, And we're caught in snapshot thinking. And anyone that I've ever counseled with that was depressed was always practicing snapshot thinking. When we're informed by the word of God, which we are able then to maintain our identity, it also keeps us attached to the future hope. So that the promise in me helps me to practice prophetic thinking. There's a promise over your life. There is a promise over this church. And no matter what the devil does, in the moment, we are not defined by a moment. We are not defined by a situation. And we're going to press through by the promise of God. You see, when I have a promise of God... I confront the enemy's attack to discourage me and defeat me with the promise that I know I may not look like it right now. I know that the dream God has given me hasn't fully manifest, but I have a promise. I know it's from God. It is the promise of God, and this truth is ultimately going to set me free. I'm not going to be in despair and just realize that this is all there is. No. Yes, I'm telling on that Wednesday, it was like middle of the day and then early evening and it was bad, but 1030 was on the way. And the time was appointed that he should be delivered. Hallelujah. And Ryan was born. You know, if, if we'd have just given up, said, call this off. I wouldn't have gotten to. No, this gift in my son Ryan. I wouldn't have the stories that I could keep here all day telling you. I'm so glad we had some go through it. Everybody says, I need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough. Oh, do a sermon on breakthrough. Do a series on breakthrough. Preach the whole year on breakthrough. I'm ready for my breakthrough. Here's the word of God. You have to have some go through in order to get to the breakthrough. When God finds a church and a Christian that has some go through, they will get to their breakthrough. See, you learn it's Friday, but Sunday is coming. And so I'm going to think Sunday, even though it's Friday. You see, a submarine, as it goes down, the deeper it goes, the more pressure there is on the outside. And if there's not something on the inside to counter that pressure, the pressure on the outside will collapse the submarine and everyone on the inside will die. So as it goes deeper, as it goes down, as it goes into the depths of the darkness and the pressure intensifies on the outside, they have this ability on the inside to increase the pressure so it counters the outside pressure and everyone on the inside is doing just fine. When you take the word of God in your heart, you are living by the promise and not by the circumstance and the promise in you rises up and offsets the pressure on the outside. Your dream may go down and it may get dim and it may get dark. And we do walk through the valley of death, but we are walking through. We're going to come through. And now to the third part of the message. Jesus rose again. The, The submarine will 
ultimately come forth. Your, your dream may go down and it may get dim, but because you have power on the inside to offset the pressure on the outside, you live through it until you break to it and, and you come forth. Weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The seed gets put in the ground and it dies. But it's not over. Just wait a little while because it shall come forth. So, maintain your identity, endure the pain, and then wait for the resurrection. Because it's on the way. Your dream will come true. Interesting. There's something to call all of these different days around the crucifixion and resurrection, but the middle day. We have Ash Wednesday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Resurrection Sunday. We hadn't come up with anything for Saturday. The middle day. The in-between day. When I am waiting. On the one hand, I have the pain of the circumstance. And on the other hand, I have the promise. But I'm in the middle. I'm waiting. That's where you insert what Paul teaches us in Philippians. God is faithful. And he will finish what he started. See, I will live by the word. I will live by circumstance. God is faithful and he will finish what he started. Listen to these words. This comes from James. If I don't grow weary, where I tend to grow weary is not on Friday because it's so intense, I rise to the occasion. It's not on Sunday because everything's happening on Sunday. I tend to grow weary on Saturday when I'm waiting. Be not weary in well-doing because you shall reap. Interesting words there that take you back to agricultural terms. Be, you know, you... You, you put the seed in the ground, and then if you wait and you work it and you don't grow weary, you shall reap if you think not. It's a good word to remember. So what is that? What's the strategy? Let's go over strategy. Maintaining identity is through the, the constant intake of the word of God. Strategy for enduring pain. What is that strategy? It is not only taking in the word, but practicing promise thinking. Not snapshot thinking. I have a promise over my life, and my life is more than just what's happening right now. So I hold into that. What is the strategy for Saturday? Here it is. You can't lose if you refuse to quit. Don't quit, and you can't lose. God will finish what he started. That's the, that's the truth of God's word. You will reap if you faint not. That's the truth. So don't quit. You can't lose. So I'm going to deal with Saturday by a principle. Don't quit. Because on Saturday is when I'm tempted to quit and go home. Don't quit and you can't lose. There's a lot of baseball starting to happen. And it's going it's to come on us strong now. And life is a lot like baseball. Life is the pitcher, you are the batter, and the devil is the umpire. 
So life sets up and life throws you a fastball and you swing and you're way behind it. And the devil doesn't go strike, strike. I'm so sorry that was a strike. No. Huh! Strike! You look at him and set it up, life. Bring it. But this time, life throws you a change up. And now you swing, but you're way ahead of it. Satan goes, strike two! You back out of the batter's box and you're getting yourself and Satan says, you know, one more strike, you're out. I'm going to send you to the dugout. You get back in the batter's box, you plant, you're ready. Life sets up. Life throws the pitch. But life throws you a curveball. Life ever thrown you a curve? And you swing and you miss it. And Satan doesn't say, you're out. Sorry, maybe next time. No, like an umpire, they just, there's something that comes over them when they call you out. <laughs> strike one, strike two, and here comes the ball. You swing it. Ha! And that's mild. And then you take your bat and you walk over and you sit on the bench and you're defeated and you're discouraged. But that's for people who don't attend this church. Everybody that attends this church, when the devil turns and says, you're out. We get taught to talk back to the devil. And we say, I don't think so. It's my ball. It's my bat. And my father owns the field. And I'm not out until I say I'm out. Now sit down or get in your position. Life, set it up. Bring it. Life throws it in your swing and you miss. You swing again and you... But finally, you hit the ball. It's not some big deal. It doesn't go over the fence But you do get on base. And what do you learn by that? You learn that if you don't quit, you can't lose. It's not three strikes and you're out with God. It's just plant your feet, focus, and try harder. When the dream is dim, you have to adapt. I want to close with this. Here's what Gandhi said. Adaptation is not imitation. It is the power of resistance and assimilation. So you get into the batter's box, and now things aren't going real well, so you adapt. Life keeps throwing different things, and you're not doing real well, but you adapt. What is Adaptation. It's not imitation. You don't become like the culture. No, that's not what Daniel did. That's not what Esther did. You adapt, which is the power of resistance. That's where you say to the devil who's giving you all this negative talk, you don't define the rules of the game. You don't tell me when I'm out. 
You don't call the shots in my life. You don't assess me and you don't define me. Matter of fact, the only authority you have is sit there and talk. You can growl as a roaring lion, but God took care of you at the cross. And so you, you, you can say all that stuff, but you don't define me. So you, it's the power of resistance and then it's the power of assimilation. What have you learned? Okay, if you swung because you were way ahead of it, then assimilate the knowledge. What, you are at a certain place. If divorce papers have arrived, we need to assimilate. We, we, we need to assimilate. If, if the business isn't booming, we've got to assimilate. We, we resist the negative effects and attack of the devil and we assimilate what we know so that when we get back in the batter's box, we can take the right position and we have the right focus so that our eye is on the ball so that when we come through, we come through with a level swing and we make contact and now we finally advance. We may only get to first base, but now we are advancing. Too many of God's people have just put their bat on their shoulder and gone and sit over in the dugout and they're just watching life happen. You need to come out of that dugout, get off of the bench and say, hold up. This is my ball. This is my bat. And my father owns the field. And I'm not out until I say I'm out because the principle of the word is don't quit and you cannot lose. You will rise again. Praise God. Well, I'm just going to stop. We'll continue tonight, but with your heart focused on prayer. Let me just talk to these two sections for a moment. Let's, let's create a moment. I'm, I'm coming this way. If, for instance, you're in the dugout of life, is there anyone in these two sections and you just feel defeated? You lost your identity, that you know it is your bat. And your father does on the field. The earth is the Lord's. You went through a hard time. And the rest of your game is now defined by that one time at the plate. And it didn't go well. Do you need to come out of the dugout? Do you need to come back onto the playing field? In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity. And you could sit right where you are and respond, and that's, that's all well and good. I, I, I so know that. God's right where you are. He's no more up here than he is there. But I think sometimes we, we have to take some physical action in order to really get the full impact of the spiritual experience. And sometimes I, I need to make a move to say to Satan, I've been sitting in my heart long enough. I've been sitting here in this on this bench and letting life just happen because I've given up and I listened to the devil and he said it, I was out. Here in a minute, I'm gonna ask you to come. How about these three sections? Has your dream gotten really dim? Has it been eclipsed? There's a lot of pain. Sometimes you just got to get up and make a move. God bless you. Just kneel right here. It's a new day. I just need to make a move. It's not because of who I am or what I've done. It's because of who he is. He's the author and the finisher. Some of us started so well and the game was happening. I mean, we were doing very well. 
but we went into a slump. And now it just seems that life is not anywhere close to the dream. And I'm sitting on the bench of life. My dream has shrunk to the size of my circumstance. I'm just a loser. Such the talk of the devil. I reach to you. I, I fight. I fight for your dream. Like a coach, I want to say, okay, batter up. The Holy Spirit says, take the bat, get up there. One time I was, I was struggling as a baseball player. My dad was my coach. And it just, it just wasn't happening. And I remember my dad one time, he came up behind me, put his arms, and he took a hold of the bat. And instead of stepping into the ball, I was stepping out. I didn't think so. He came and he put his feet behind mine. He had tried all these other things. And finally he just said, let's do it together. And when his arms came around and his feet by, and we stepped together and we swung level, I hit the ball. And that race is into my mind right now. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He says, come on, get back in the batter's box and I'll empower you. I'll empower you. If the Holy Spirit is drawing these, is he drawing you? If so, just come. It's time to dream again. It's time to dream again. Come from one side of this place to the other. Come. Come. Don't. And maybe you're sitting in the middle of the aisle and you're thinking, oh, if I was just closer to the end, I don't want to have to walk across all these people. Do you know that they so want you to respond to God? They'll be cheering you on. It's not, it's not a bother. They're wanting you to respond because we've all had to respond. Come on, the dream is dim. It could be a family it could be a job situation. It could be something going on with your kids. Come today. Come today.